Hi, and welcome to today's podcast. Wednesday, September 14th, about 1.20. I, for the last couple of months, have been keeping a mood journal. I don't know if it's done me any good. I don't review it as much as I should. I was kind of tired when I woke up. So I gave myself like a five and a half, and I do my very best to not go five and a half. 5.7. I try to keep it to whole numbers. I was at a five, um, but I, I kept myself busy enough before I got to work. One little thing did have me uh, shaking my fist in the air. So, you know, I've been doing these puzzles for, for quite some time, ba- basically all, all summer long, and I've enjoyed, I have had joy, and I've enjoyed the hell out of them. I love how they get me off my phone. I love how they focus me. I love how it's it's kind of like... Um, like Indiana Jones, I'm looking at the the picture of what it looks like. I'm looking at is that piece? Does that go there? Um, I got this this latest one, which has probably been my most favorite one to this point to put together. Uh, it was two thousand pieces. I've only done a thousand till now, so I doubled up unknowingly. And uh, once I dove in, it, I realized it wasn't going to be as hard, even though there were more pieces because there were so many distinct spots all over it. Um, it, it was a lot easier. In less time consuming. I think it took me two, two weeks, no more than three. Um, I forget when I started. And I never, never want to do a Spider-Man puzzle ever again where the, there's a giant Venom character on there because I just can't figure out when something is so big and it's all one color. That's the real puzzle challenge. Anyway, I have been extremely careful. I do these puzzles in the room with all my Transformers. And uh, the dogs are in there with me. Andre gets super hyper. Um... He does not listen. He's my wild one. So I've been extremely careful with him around the puzzles. Um, the fir- very first, first puzzle I did, I I'd lost a piece because I was careless about it. But not anymore. And I don't think I've run the vacuum in there at all. But somehow, for this Spider-Man puzzle, which again has been a complete joy, I lost a piece. I can't find it. And it's a little troubling like it's got to be in the room somewhere i don't throw anything away from there maybe the pile of junk toys in the middle of the floor is covering it up i want this one piece because i really like this puzzle um i almost considered buying another one just to look for that piece because you know what's you know what's absolutely incredible about puzzles they are so inexpensive um and the 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 hours of joy i get for what I spend, it is incredible value. All right, let's move on. Um, a couple of things before I bring in my friend uh, Megan, so we can talk about American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and the upcoming Out of the Darkness Walk on 10-1 Promenade Park. It's Alex's wedding day. My pregame will be at the Out of the Darkness Walk. Let me start with that. Um, tomorrow, TEDx Toledo returns after a couple of years away for the obvious reasons. Um, I will keep this brief because you probably heard it before, but I had the opportunity to do a TEDx Toledo talk five years ago. Uh, I had always loved TED Talks. When I was doing a lot of driving, or at least more driving home then than I do now, I'd always flip on TED Talks. But the one I always go back to is from Dan Pink. It's I think it was about how to effectively motivate workers. And we're going to come, and, or people, and we're going to come back to workers in just a second before Megan hops on. So when I lost, when the morning rush went away, 
And I'll keep this brief. People reached out to me. They said, thank you for talking about what you did. At that point, I had an aha moment. I'm like, I can't leave because if I just take another radio job, the same thing will happen. I'll get in the community. Two years, the job will go away. I'm like, I can either cash in the stock that I've made here and stay, even though it might not be in radio, but we'll see. But uh, people reached out and again, thanked me and, and with I'm staying here because I don't want to move again and go go in that cycle one more time. I thought I want to be at a I wanted to be a, a speaker, um, and I thought one of the great ways to continue to begin down that path was to have a TED talk on my resume. So you and many others were so thoughtful to nominate me with a bunch of people who really didn't know who I was, and that was totally fine. Um, when I got the opportunity, I made the most of it. Um, I'm a very tough judge of myself. There are a couple of stumbles in the talk. You might give me a, an A. I give myself a B plus. I don't have any views it has, and I certainly don't read the comments. And I would change a couple of things because I've learned a lot. But the foundation of it, how I feel five years later, is still the same. Uh, and I'm so thankful for that opportunity. Maybe I would have had all these other opportunities to do the speaking I do, uh, like the Out of the Darkness walk and, and, and going to classrooms and whatnot. Um, maybe I would have had them anyway. But I think the TED Talk helped me know that I could do that. So whether it helped and got on people's radar or not, it gave me the confidence, especially when I watched my performance, that I can do this. Uh, what I can't do is charge people for it. <laughs> uh, a friend always tells me, you have to charge. You have to, you're, this is a service. You're, you're offering people. I know, I know. I just figure karma will come back my way. Like, I don't charge you for a talk. I find that puzzle piece. Um, so Alex isn't here, and we often talk about Britney Spears. And you know, uh, I have been pretty hard on this whole situation. Uh, Alex has been very even, but many people were free Britney with, like, no restrictions. Um, and over the weekend, I guess she was upset that she is estranged from her kids, which gave a lot of credibility to my thinking that they had been estranged because for someone who we see quite a bit of, we never see her with her kids. So something smelled wrong with that. And I can understand the situation she was in. The kids didn't want to be around her. She was, no pun intended, toxic. I think she said something on Christina Aguilera's Instagram about her body. And it caused a lot of fiery fury. Now, and I think Christina unfollowed her uh, or whatever that was. And Brittany tried to add some context. But it, it was an ugly situation. And this was after, I think, one of these posts around this was, like I told Alex, I don't think we did this on the podcast. She took a picture, another naked picture of herself, uh, completely naked on her bed with her back to us and a heart over her crack. So I can see why her kids, you know, don't want to be around that. Uh, I think a friend of mine got involved in whatever social discourse was happening on whoever's profile. Um, and I try to stay out of commenting, especially when I don't know people who have made a comment. But th this woman, and you know all along, and I will stick to this, uh, she, needed, she has always needed a conservator from what we can gather. But not that one. Not her dad. So this woman on my friend's profile, this is the first time in her life she's been able to speak freely or have a say in any part of her life, and she's trauma dumping. 
I don't think she understood how hurtful her words were to Christina Aguilera and others. How does one go about reversing a lifetime of abuse and captivity as a public figure? I keep hoping she'll get a team of qualified care, but she probably can't trust anyone. Heartbreaking. Um, I'll add to that. Uh, whoever deeply cares for her now and whoever she might trust, she does have a new husband. Um, take her phone and throw it as far away as possible. If not that, get all of her social stuff, her ability, her ability to engage with fans. But with the good will come much bad. There is very little good for her on her phone and the apps she consistently posts on. Um, for her own mental health, she should back off of those things. And, and it's sad. Um, she needs somebody to help her. And I get this person's wonderful comment that she might not trust anybody, but she's got to have somebody or two somebodies that can help her. Because if she doesn't get help, this will possibly and likely spiral into a very dark and perhaps morbid place. And nobody wants that. Um, two more things here. Going back to work for a second, I posted yesterday on social. What's the best work advice you've ever been given? Uh, and there was a mini back and forth within the advice. And it was about um, people going above and beyond what they're, they're asked to do at work. And there has been a lot of pushback on that lately because people feel they're being taken advantage of. I have even dismissed... Uh, the notion I long lived under. Work, love what you do and never work a day in your life. Well, you can get carried away. And even if your employer is not taking advantage of you, you can get carried away and ignore other parts of your life. Um, I am fine. And this is a very personal, individual thing. We all have different ambitions and goals when it comes to our personal and professional lives. Um, I, I, I would like to see this continue. I've, I'm the only one who have who I've seen say this, don't demonize people who want to go above and beyond, who want to be overachievers, who want the extra work. Um, maybe they are maliciously ambitious and they will push all others aside and it's all about the grind. Uh, or maybe there are people like me. Part of the reason I get upset often and get down is because I don't have what the common human beings have in their life. Family, wife, kids, partner, close friends, aunts, uncles, cousins. Most people don't want to soak their lives into work so they can enjoy those things. I give more of myself, I think, than most people, at least psychologically, to work because I don't have those things. So when something goes awry at work, it's twice as hard of a punch. Uh, and there's probably other people like me or people who just want to put their career first. Maybe they just want to put their career first so they can earn as much fucking money as possible before they're 55 and they can retire. Point here, everybody's different. Please do your best to look at the details, look at the person, see who they are. Before you demonize them working as much as they do, thinking you need to be held to that standard. And maybe if you believe you are held to that standard because of that person and that workplace, maybe that's not the place for you. Perhaps you've heard a lot of places are hiring. You could leave. Um, another thing I need to, I'm going to actually hit pause here because I have to pull up a website that brought up um, something interesting. There's the Marginal Revolution site. 
I'm just stalling now, which I have not referenced in quite some time. It's not there. Here we go. Um, Four-way stops are common, but they seem inefficient. Maybe they can be improved by people just following different rules. This is a little confusing. I'll try to be clear as clear as I can. When an intersection with stop signs has too much traffic, the signs are replaced with traffic lights. Why does that allow more cars through? Because many cars go through before the light changes. Same principle could be applied without having a traffic light. Um, I don't quite understand this part. It's a lot to read, so I'll just leave it alone. Uh, but in the comments there, it got to the point of safety, vehicle, and even more so pedestrian safety because um, we have a vision zero here. Uh, and I don't know when we want to meet that goal, but the city definitely has that goal. And it's been put out there a couple of different times because um, when we had uh, uh, Sean on from who designs all, all Toledo's roads and whatnot, uh, he explained why we want to make things safer and more pedestrian friendly and how just our infrastructure was not built for that. But let's shift it to that and make bikes and walkers safer. Um. What I was reading in those comments, and I think this has a lot of validity to it. Um, there are some points in the comments about how, and, and more and more people are getting hit, injured, and killed. Not just here, but like across the country. Some of this stems back to accurately during the pandemic. There were a lot fewer police on the roads, a lot less traffic on the roads, for, so people were going faster. There are some other points of, Cars are bigger and can be faster and less visibility. The counterpoint was, yeah, but there's more safety features. Um, maybe not necessarily to keep pedestrians safe, but you, the driver, prevent you from hitting other vehicles. Um, I'll throw. Why, why do you think, in addition to what I just mentioned about pandemic and high, high speeds and DUIs, people driving under the influence? Uh, which I guess can include weed, which is far more accepted these days. Weed, not smoking under the, in, not not being driving under the influence, but that's probably part of it. I think with most things, it's always a combination of things. But like this stop sign thing, we want to make changes, like what Sean wants to do, make infrastructure so walkers and bikers are safer. Why are they? Why are they in so much danger now as as opposed to before? And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you that again. Why are pedestrians and bikers so much more endangered? Literally, their their lives are endangered as opposed to before. What changed? And we've already gone over a couple of those things. Um, I think there's one thing that takes up a very large portion of that pie of causes. And once I thought about this, I've always known it. I've always clamored for it. Um, I thought, why the hell do we have to do... Yeah, we can make things safer. We can change things, make things bike lanes, blah, blah, blah. But if we are doing a lot of that, changing infrastructure, all this stuff, making, and that that's very expensive. If we have to do all that, why don't we just correct... The one big cause, which is very correctable. I'll ask you again: Why are these? Why are bikers and pedestrians in so much danger? Because you're on your phone. I think that is the majority of the pie of reasons why 
other drivers, walkers, pedestrians, kids, bikers, dogs, everybody is far more endangered when somebody is behind the wheel now. You know I'm right. You know you're guilty of it. I know I'm guilty of it. Um, Not as much as many others. I've said before, I'm absolutely frightened. When I'm on airport, which is people are doing 45, 50, and I look over at a car, and if I see an older person on their phone, that's frightening because they're not used to the technology as we are, people younger than us. But if I see somebody FaceTiming with they're looking into their steering wheel because the FaceTime call is there. Or it, It's terrifying. That's the reason. That, that is a, an enormous reason why people outside of vehicles are in so much jeopardy. We should crack down on this. I mean, there are laws against distracted driving. There were laws for distracted driving before we put in cell phone laws. Um, I think we need to take a hard look at this and maybe make that, if it's not already, a primary offense because of how it jeopardizes other people's lives and your life. Um, one more thing with that. I used to be very much against like self-driving cars. Not because they're, people will die. Don't you read about these Tesla accidents? Yeah, there's like one. Even if there was 50. If there was, if there was 50 self-driving Tesla accidents a day, and everybody else was in a self-driving Tesla. That's 50 accidents versus how many accidents are there a day in this country? And, you, and, and, and as we talked about with Sean, it's not an accident. Somebody's at fault. Somebody wasn't paying attention. Somebody wasn't being responsible. Somebody was distracted. It was avoidable. It was preventable. So I, I don't want to have a self-driving car because I enjoy driving. But you know what? Um the world roads would be safer if the vehicles were autonomous and we just sat there and sat on our phones rather than us because humans cause accidents all right also preventable like 99% preventable if not 99 like a percent or two below that suicide 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 this is like my 10th ninth or 10th year uh as part of the AFSP out of the darkness walk. Let me tell you a quick story why I got that. Um, in 2014, the former morning show at Kiss before me was supposed to host it. Uh, he was let go and he did some awful things to me. And I had to bite my, my lip as I was still his manager at work. But my manager helped me through that situation. I'll share that story one day. So he was gone. And my friend Rachel said, do you have anybody that can host this thing? I said, well, I I have mental health. I have a mental health uh, things I like to talk about, and it's important to me. You're signed up. And here we are, all these years later. Let me introduce another friend who's been part of AF- AFSP for many years now, Megan Scott. It's great to have her here. All right, are you ready? Uh, Well, yes. Okay, let's say good morning to the one and only Megan Scott from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Hi. Good morning. Uh, it's good to have you here. We're, we're going to talk about the Out of the Darkness Walk coming up on October 1st at Promenade Park. Yes, so October 1st, uh, Promenade Park is the Out of the Darkness Walk. Registration starts at 9.30 with opening ceremonies at 11.30. Can I actually start right there? And I have a bunch of questions, some different ones that I typically ask you when we get together. Um, this year, 
Last year, we were like 94% back at it, right? Yes. It was pretty normal last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the year previously, it was mostly virtual. So we're, we're 100% this year. We might be 110% this year. Oh, I hope so. Um, what uh, what more can I do? Because I'm, am I the host for the day? Am I the you MC? are the host okay. for the day. So what, is there anything else that I can do having, because uh, we've done this together a long time now, you're uh, more than eyeball deep into this. So what can I do to, to make it a better day for everybody? Well, so we are trying to get more interactive with the people that come. So we want you to come closer to 930, even prior to the registration, because we have tons of stuff there for you to be involved in. So we have vendors that provide different resources for mental health. They um, they have different, you know, there's, there's just, there's a bunch of them. Can you do, and you probably know some off, off the top of your head, do you have a list? Well, I kind of not, not a list of the vendors, but I I have a list of our sponsors who will also be there. Okay. Um, but you're gonna find some of the some of the crossover are like people from Unison. Um, the Zeph Center is gonna be there. Both of my people. There you go. Um, uh, Road to Recovery, I believe, is gonna be there as a vendor. So and so you know, there's gonna be a lot. There's gonna be just tons of resources there for for people um, to to tap into. And then, like I said, our sponsors are going to be there. Jim White's one of our sponsor, sponsors, so they're actually going to have a couple of cars there for people to look at. Um, so it's it's just really, it's, it's a lot of, it's a good time. The, then we also, we brought back, or we started last year, and we're bringing it back this year, a yoga session. So we're actually going to have a couple of yoga sessions. We got really good feedback on that. So, um, Kelly will be providing just quick 10-minute beginner yoga um, so that people can, you know, learn that as, as a good coping mechanism. Uh, I, I know some examples, but I want to pull them out of you because you have your own experiences. There's there's some reasons. How long has it been since you made the suicide attempt? Uh, five years. Okay. We'll come back to that for, for a brief time while we mm-hmm. do this. But um, I know some questions, but what would... What questions would you suggest that people might want to ask um, in this environment? Do you mean like to the resources or like if some they know somebody's struggling? Uh, both, both, both. I, and I don't mean to like, no no disrespect to Jim White, but I mean to like the and the unisons. Oh, right, right. So so some of the things you're going to look for is, is or, or to be able to ask is, you know, what... What resources they have, whether it be talk therapy, um, if you are, uh, if you need to be evaluated for possible medicine, um, you know, and and then the one the one part of mental health sometimes I think that we forget is that there's there's coping mechanisms that you have to have and develop outside of medicines and talk therapy, you know, which is why we are including the yoga now. You know, I like to say that I do yoga, but it's more of an awkward stretching. So whatever works. <laughs> it it but it works for me and I do it I literally do it every day and if I don't do it, I I can like tell. This is a this is a safe place to ask all the questions that might rattle around in your head because did you hear do you know what did you hear about Recovery is Beautiful over the weekend? Do you know what that was? Mm-mm. It was an event at the Warner Center. I couldn't make it out to it because I had a prior engagement. I've been there before. Mm-hmm. Warner Center, mental health uh, board does stuff. And someone who owns some land next to it put an awful sign. 
awful sign. I'll show you. Uh, that will not be the case at Promenade Park when we do this because it's safe space. To, I know people sometimes struggle to ask some of these questions, but this is not a place where people will be judging you for any questions you have about any kind of mental health thing at all. They want you to ask the questions. Oh, absolutely. And if you really feel like you come down there, because the 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 vibe, the feel of the environment down there, it there is a little bit of of somberness, but at the same time, it's it's very, you know, togetherness, comforting. But if you come into that that space, if you come to our walk and you feel like you're struggling and and you just need somebody to talk to in the moment, we actually have counselors there on site that can Good to know. can interact with you. And we have a special tent for them. And we did have we have a, that before? We've always had it. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, and these are actually, um, you know, they're volunteers, but they are trained um, counselors and, you know, they have an area that they can take you off to, to have a conversation. They can also point you towards some resources and. And good news, bad news. If you're someone who's been afraid of that before, this is a nice, like, I can't believe I didn't know this before. Um, It's a good uh, test run because I think you know, people probably ask you the same stuff they ask me. And it's like, yeah, you're going to have to wait like six months, maybe six weeks you can get in to see somebody. Uh, And the Zeph and the Unison people can maybe answer those questions. But if you're reluctant or you just want to dip your toe in the water to see what it might be like to talk to somebody, it's a great opportunity to do that. Yeah. You know, and even, you know, when you're talking about talk therapy, I hear great things about some of those online ones, and you can get into those Good. immediately. And and no, I mean, if if you don't want to express it out to the world, like maybe you or I do, that's something you can do in the privacy of your own home, and yeah. nobody has to know if you don't want them to. Uh, what else? Oh, lighter thing here. Is the clown coming back? Tip top, <laughs> yes. And I have a 14-year-old daughter <laughs> Who will be assisting him with face painting, and she's oh, super excited. Boy. So, uh, our good friend Rachel, who was the one that, that invited me to be a part of this so many years ago, now is uh, always makes a point to remind me that the tip top is here now, and make sure you tell everybody. Yes, tip top will be there that day. So we do have different um, interactive things for kids, and so if kids are struggling, we have things that they can interact with as well. Uh, one more note that I've seen some people ask: uh, this is not this is not a race. This is more about of a, a resource fair people coming together, mm-hmm. uh, the ceremony. The walk is leisurely. But some people have asked where the walk goes and how long it is. Yeah, so it's actually, we, we clocked it. It's 1.2 miles and we go north. Um, Nobody knows what that means. Okay. Um, we go towards the Martin Luther King Bridge along okay. the river, okay. up and around like WTOL and then back. Okay. So we don't go to the other side, right? Yeah, you do. You go, you cross Martin Luther King, oh. and then you turn around. But okay. roads are blacked off. Like right. we have cops there that'll. Okay, good to know. Uh, and and that means a little bit more to me now that I now that I'm, I'm my foot is in the disability community. There are people who have disabilities, and they mm-hmm. might want to be a part. They want to know what they're getting into for yeah. how long they have to go. Yeah. And I I trust that you and Peggy and Rachel were will assure that we have beautiful weather that day as well. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> we've we've lucked out the last couple of years, but there's been some years where it's been. Yeah. Uh, torrential downpours. What else do I want to uh, add? Oh, so you talked about the somber nature of it. And and I completely agree with you. It is a, I'm used to it now, mm-hmm. but it took me some time, even maybe until the time that you got there, where it was, it was, it was it's a difficult room to manage mm-hmm. because you've got people there who have found help. And you've got a lot of people there who have, they're not there necessarily for themselves, for their own mental health help. 
in a way they are, but they mm-hmm. have lost loved ones. That's the other part of the walk. I don't know if we talk enough about. Can you talk about those people and what they get from the experience? Yeah. So we do we do have a large focus from AFSP and Out of the Darkness Walk where we are addressing they we they're called survivors of loss. So it's people who have lost a loved one, a friend, um, you know, a parent, a spouse to suicide. And we not only provide you with resources on how to manage your grief, but you know, a lot of people then take that on and say, well, I want to help prevent that. So we provide resources for that. Now, we will have our table there that has all of our resources as well. Um, I know that um, we have a, and I, I just don't have it with me, a a list of resources locally where you can go and reach out um, to, to those resources if you're struggling, support groups and so on. Yeah, I don't spend enough time with this, and I don't know if I speak to these people enough who come there specifically for that reason because they've lost a loved one and you know what now that i'm trying now that i'm envisioning this we might have more of those people than people like you and i because and i'd like to say that they have some very creative shirts in very in very sad times they come up with some super creative team yes. names we have the best creative team names of any walk in the area yes. but there there some of these groups are like 20 and 30 deep mm-hmm. um and and they come out because they, as you said, they don't want this to happen to somebody else. Um, can you think of any personal anecdotes from those people, like what they've said to you or what's come your way? Like what they get, not like the resources they get, but like what they say the event means to them and, and how they leave it and how heavy it can be, but there's still a positive aspect to it. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you know, in talking with those people, a lot of times it's just being around people that have experienced the same thing you have you know there's a there's um you know we usually do reading of the name so we've actually changed it this year oh so what we're gonna have is a memory tent where you can go in and we encourage you to bring a picture of the loved one you've lost uh make it be a picture you wouldn't mind losing because you're going to be responsible for picking it back up same day but then we're also going to have little index cards and scrap pieces of paper where you can write their name, write a memory, write them a note, write yourself a note, whatever. And then we're going to have you clip it to like a netting around the tent so everybody can see it and read it and interact with it. So, you know, we're doing it a little bit differently. You know, the other thing about AFSP and Out of the Darkness is we do the beads. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's different colors for, you know, different losses and and or different supports. And Mm -hmm. so we're going to focus a little bit more on the beads and what the beads mean and stuff like that. So we're not reading names this year? Mm -mm. No, no, no. And I, you know, the reason we decided to to do it a little bit differently is because we are growing. Yeah. And the reading of the names, while it's while it's impactful, it, it got to be a little bit lengthy and yeah. the pronunciation and, and we don't want to disrespect any families or friends or anybody by by mispronouncing names and sure no like it, it's been as I think we talk about all the time in the lead up to the walk it's wonderful and horrific at the same time that those three by five cards those index cards have and that's what you guys we, we all read them off of. Uh, it's become a lengthier process. Yeah, the stacks have gotten bigger yeah. it, each year. It's it's great that people come to the walk for support. It's awful that they have lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, I'm looking forward to how are we going to fill that time though? The 
the between nine thirty and eleven thirty. Well, no, no, no. I mean, it, part of the opening ceremony. Uh, it was like a fifteen minute thing. We have to fill some time. Oh, we are actually. Uh, like I said, we're we're gonna focus more on the beads. So we're gonna have people come up and say, um, for example. I'm wearing orange be- orange beads to symbolize the loss of a sibling. Got it. And so then they're going to, you know, they will have a, a quick, you know, 10 second little bit. Um, so then each bead will be um, explained. And uh, we're still going to have our wands with our with our ribbons on them. Yeah, we're not releasing anything anymore. We're environmentally friendly. That's right, environmentally friendly. And then when we go through each bead, so like uh, purple beads symbolize the loss of a friend or relative. And once we get done explaining those beads and the person says, you know, what they need to say, then we're going to have you, then we're going to have you them say the name Got it. of the person they've lost. So That might take a long time as well. I don't know. I mean, it... We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Uh, also, on a lighter note, have we made it to like a three-food truck walk yet? We have. We officially we have a three-food truck. So, Smash Dogs, um, Heavenly Brew, and a, we have a taco truck this year. Oh. And we're we're going to have average people off the street coming to the walk that's now. That's right. And I, I don't remember which truck is coming, but yes, we are officially a... Three food. food truck, which we talked about that last year. For years, for years. Yeah. yeah, I remember when we were at. Do you remember we were across the way at In International the, Park? International. I I was never a participant. I was started the first year as at Promenade. We, when we were at International Park, maybe it was four years or so ago, and there was one year it was a torrential downpour the whole time, and I was stunned how many people came out. But I think the next year or so it was a nice day, and we had one lonely food truck, and it was before the food truck boom took off. Mm-hmm. I think people were Just wondering. Smash what? Dogs, they've been there every year since we were at Promenade. It was not like people weren't going to it like now. It was it was almost like a time warp back then. People were wondering why would I buy food from a truck? That's not <laughs> how this works. Um, again, let's let's go backwards. If people want to get registered or interested, uh, so it makes it easier for day of. Where can they go now? Yeah, so to register, you're going to go to afsp.org slash Toledo, and that takes you directly to our site. You can register. You, If you can't come down but you want to donate, you can donate um, either to the general walk or if you know somebody who's, who's walking, you can find their page and donate directly to them. Uh, there's also, there are some resources on there as well. Um, if you are walking and want to raise funds, there's fundraising tips. And then, you know, we're always looking for more volunteers, not only for day of the walk, but, you know, we do stuff most of the year long and we can always use people to come in and, and come to our meetings and help with the different events. And so our chair, Peggy, Peggy Myers, her contact information is right there up front. What are some of the things that people might do if they participate year-round as a volunteer yeah so we we have what we call tabling events Mm -hmm. where we go and we set up at different fairs so you know like this summer we were we've already done the mommy fair we're we're probably going to do the perrysburg homecoming um event and we sit there we we pass out material we talk to people it's it's a good interaction some of the other things we we do a lot of parades we're in a lot of parades and doing that and then as you get more into it you can become involved with some of the different programs that AFSP has and going into schools and businesses and giving 
talks on how to recognize if somebody's struggling, um, resources on mental health and things like that. Now, we haven't done that piece since the pandemic, so sure. we're, we need to kickstart that a little bit more. Um, I think we've covered just about everything, so we do have uh, five or six minutes left. Uh, so whether that's the medium-length version or the shorter version, why don't you share your story, and we'll go back five years. <laughs> Well, you actually have to go back a lot further than five years. Um, so I was first diagnosed as um, bipolar and depression when I was I was in co- I was right out of college, so maybe twenty one, twenty two. Uh, didn't take care of myself. Didn't didn't um, didn't do what I was supposed to do. I mean, I, I walked through the steps, but I was inconsistent at everything. Uh, continued to struggle. And then in 2017, I um, I just got overwhelmed. There was a lot going on, and um, I didn't see light at the end of my tunnel. And so um, I did attempt, or I was close to attempting, and my, my husband um, stopped me. He, um, he basically said, uh, either we go to the hospital or I'm calling the cops and they can take you to the hospital. So uh, we, I ended up in a psych unit for about a week and got out. And then I did a three-week outpatient program. And I just want to say there are – so if you're in an acute, acute crisis, you know, I know a lot of people, like, don't like the idea of hospitalization. And I didn't either. Like, I, I didn't want to be there. But there's multiple different facilities in the in the multiple county area that provide day programs where you go you show up and that was actually more helpful to me in an acute episode than you know the hospitalization some people might still have the vision like this is 1960 and you're locked away in an asylum in a dark building that it storms (laughs) which it's not like that when you go into the hospital but you know um there's you know, but the but the day programs you go, you do have like group activities, but it's just I don't know. And I the only one I know, or the one I can think of, uh, there's two. Um, I know Arrowhead has a day program, and um, out of Fulton County, Fulton County Hospital, there's a psychiatric unit there that they have a they have a day program. But anyway, so um, a lot of work later, um, I got back on track. Um, you know, for me and and my mental disorder, you know. There's certain cores that I that I always follow. I have to take my medication. What do you take? Oh gosh, um, so I'm on an antidepressant antidepressive, and I'm on um, Lamictal, which is one of my mood stabilizers, um, Buspar for my uh, growing anxiety, and then lithium actually, which is ah, not it's an oldie but goodie. Which is not as scary as you as a lot of people think. Uh, I remember when I told my mom that uh, my doctor wanted to put me on it. My mom, who was a nurse for 45 years, by the way completely freaked out not too bad but um it's actually been one of the best medications that i've used in the 15 years i've had this drill into the details of how you feel different using it so when i'm not stable when i'm not doing my meds consistently when i'm when i'm not doing the the steps that i know i need to take i i get anxious and irritable really easily um you get inside your head a lot and you, you know, everybody, they always say that the person you talk to the most is yourself. Mm-hmm. And 
you you get into your head and you you listen to all those negative thoughts and mm-hmm. you let it you let it carry you away. Does the lithium stop that? So the lithium helps stop that. It it also for me it helps me um, be a little more calm, and I and I don't find myself um, as chicken little that the, that the sky is falling all the time. And that's that's one of the biggest things that I noticed. Um, interesting, interesting. <laughs> Just processing all that because it's it's a lot of medications, and this is where I have to remind myself. Um, that everybody, this, this is what makes it so challenging why people can be so skittish about it because um, what, it's not like, not like surgery or an, an, an antibiotic, like take this, you'll feel better when you have whatever going on because all of our body chemistries and our brain, our brains work differently. So what mm-hmm. works for you might not necessarily work for me or somebody else. So. Yeah, you know, and, and because you and I both have been working in mental health, you know, I have, worked around this topic for a lot for a while I found out a couple of years ago that if you're trying medication that isn't working if you request it for your physician there's actually a DNA test out there mm-hmm. that they can do they do a cheek swab and it tells your doctor what type of medicine works best for you I how it, medicine is always getting better that's that's why we live to the age we live now and we don't die at like 34 anymore like we did thousands of years ago where is that science solid now because i've heard mixed things and one of the criticisms i've heard was it is a good roadmap, but what it can't control is everything going on around you it can't get the dna of your environment and i think that that's a probably a perfect example um you know i for oh my gosh for many many years i was on you know just an antidepressive and and a mood stabilizer. Um, so one, and then sometimes when you, with bipolar, they put you on two different med, mood stabilizers. Mm-hmm. So then when we had to add in something else for my growing anxiety, it was very much discussed with my doctor that this may be temporary. So for me, that I was like, okay, that'll that'll work. So, um, you know, sometimes you just need that little bit extra to get you over the hump, I guess, until you can kind of figure your stuff out yeah i always it's it's sad many years ago my doctor uh said there unfortunately there and he wasn't saying this to be uh glib or flippant he's like there isn't a happy pill which i would love to take that because like there are certain things i've had to compromise with or just realize in my life um and you know i tell you this all the time and maybe people like i've never made a suicide attempt Mm -hmm. but i have thought through it walked through it looked at things in my kitchen how it could easily be gone looked the dog and said i can't do that um and my medications now it like i'm not happy most days i just try to avoid being miserable um but those thoughts me looking at knives in my kitchen that doesn't happen anymore there's days where i'm like i really wish i was dead and i kind of mean it but I don't look at things differently as I did so morbidly. Like my brain walks through the process. It's more of a fleeting thing than a ruminating ideation. So that's how my meds work. Yeah. You know, I, I had a doctor once tell me um, something very similar in that I can't give you a pill to change your circumstances. (laughs) You know, I can't, I can't give you something that, you know, will make you forget everything. So you have to find a way 
to work through that. And I'm just a such I'm such a big advocate on finding different coping mechanisms that you can go to. So you have some for if you're in like an immediate event and then you have some that you do every day that just keeps you. I mean, I say level, but keeps the ups and downs from being so dramatic. Yeah, yeah you want to live in the middle. Um, nobody's happy all the time, regardless of what you might see or think, but you also shouldn't be down all the time either. Mm-hmm. And I, I push back on your, your doctor thing in the sense that everybody's circumstances are different. There are ups and downs in life. My thing that I'm always chasing is you could put me in the ideal circumstances and I might not to might not be able to enjoy it as someone else might because there's just there's just bad wiring in me. And that's yeah. that's what I'm constantly chasing. Like you could put me on an island with tons of beautiful people and free alcohol and no sharks. And I'd be like, I there I might enjoy it, but I might not reach the level of joy I should. And that's not my brain telling me that you want something else. It's just a, a struggle to reach joy. So, you know, as somebody who works in the medical profession, you know, everything can be fairly concrete. So, like, if you have cancer, you have cancer. I know you yeah. have cancer. Yeah. We see it in labs. We see the tumor. You know, if you're diabetic, we we test your blood sugar. We do all of that. But mental health is so much more subjective. Mm-hmm. And it's so much more, you know, what the person says. And they can only treat that. But at the same time, there is something physically going on in your body you're you're having those misfires in your brain so the neurons are not connecting they aren't firing the right way and so that's what the medicine does is it helps correct those it helps takes you know it's a lot with um, serotonin and dopamine and you know there's a whole lot to that but there it is it is a like there is something in that's physically wrong in your brain so hopefully before we're dead like of old age or some horrific disease when we're old um we're able to map those with scans as we would broken bones and whatnot because we can't do that now i know that there there's very high level technology that we can but the average person can't get anything like that and you brought up a, a great point something that i always point out you it's 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 so evasive and prescribers clinicians are doing the best that they can but in a lot of cases you're dealing you're trying to prescribe medication for someone who is a pretty broken human and they're struggling to grasp the words to explain what's going on. And it's like for the prescriber, the clinician, you're blindfolded and they're spinning around in circles and you're just trying to catch things. And then I get it. People get, I, I was like that. I was like, screw this Abilify and Lamictal. It ain't working. And then people back off and then they just go down these dark places and never want to go back and see anybody again. But hopefully before we're dead, of old age or whatever, we can scan that stuff and go, the serotonin needs to be at eight and the dopamine needs to be here. And here's what we're going to prescribe. Just like you would with like, you've got the flu. Here's an antibiotic. Here's like when we were kids, here's your amoxicillin. Take it and the symptoms will go away. Right. Um, you know, the be, because we're on the topic of, of mental health and it being subjective, you know, the one thing that I always realized in somebody that was struggling is, is that you have to be as brutally honest with not only your talk therapist but but your psychiatrist for medication as you can and sometimes we tend to hold things back and so we aren't getting the treatment that we need because of, i mean there's multiple and sometimes that's part of the mental illness but you know if you just completely be honest you know you're you're going to get more out of it yeah yeah um all right we'll wrap up 
October 1st, Out of the Darkness Walk. American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Uh, register early. Donate if you can. Volunteer if you'd like. And uh, let's hope for some sun and nothing less than like 65. Absolutely. So if you want to register before you come down, you can register day of the walk. You go to AFSP.org slash Toledo. And we're done. Perfect. <laughs>